This episode of the GCSAA podcast is being presented in partnership with the good folks at Bayer Environmental Science, the makers of Indemnify, a nematicide that helps control nematodes, maximizes root health, and promotes better quality turf and playing conditions. For all the details, go to environmentalscience.bear.us slash indemnify. And as always, our thanks to everyone at Bear for their continuing support of the podcast. Well, we have done it. We have made it to episode 27 of the GCSAA podcast. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine, and I appreciate you coming along for the ride. Had a uh, episode off last time around as Megan Hurt, the editor of GCMonline.com, took the reins in episode 26 uh, for a conversation that focused on women working in golf course management. She did a great job leading that discussion. Um, almost got Wally Pip there and uh, didn't get asked back for this one, but uh, she did such a good job um, that um, the GCSA is offering up education points to those who listen to that episode. So if you already listened, you can reach out to Diana Kern in GCSAA's education department to secure your points. She can be reached at dkern at gcsaa.org. That's D-K-E-R-N at gcsaa.org. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, what uh, what are you waiting for? You can find the episode, along with every other one we've produced in our archives, which are available wherever it is you get your podcast. And if the spirit moves you, I'd also ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the GCSA podcast through all those same services. It really does help others find the podcast, so would appreciate it if you took a few seconds to do that for us. On this episode of the GCSA Podcast, we welcome a bright young superintendent to the show in the person of Chris Ortmeyer, who, as the director of agronomy at Champions Golf Club in Houston, uh, found himself in the golf world spotlight at the end of 2020 when he served as the host superintendent for the 75th plane of the U.S. Women's Open. That was an event that was originally scheduled to be played in June, but was moved to December uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, normally we would have talked to Chris before the event as a preview of what he and his team would be going through. Um, that is something we definitely did in GCM as Howard Richmond of our team wrote a great story uh, that we published in our December issue. For the pod though, I thought it'd be kind of fun to take a different approach with Chris and focus on what happens after a major championship, how superintendents plan for that work, uh, and maybe uh, share some lessons that he and his team learned from their week preparing for the Women's Open. As you likely already know, if you paid any attention at all to that championship, it was a wild, wild week in Houston. So uh, I'm excited to share some of Chris's stories from that week, learn a little more about him, about champions, and about preparing a golf course uh, for a major just two weeks before Christmas. Uh, pretty unique stuff that I think you're going to enjoy. So without further ado, let's get after it. Episode 27 of the GCSAA podcast with Chris Ortmeyer the Director of Agronomy at Champions Golf Club in Houston, Texas. Okay, uh, Chris Hortmeyer joining us today, uh, Director of Agronomy, Champions Golf Club uh, in Houston, Texas. Um, As we record this, just, I guess, inside two weeks um, from the conclusion of play at the final major of the golf season, the extended golf season, which was the uh, U.S. Women's uh, Open. Chris, uh, thanks for taking some time to join us. How are you doing down there? Doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're 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 excited to have you. And you know, I'll I'll give the listeners a little uh, background on this. Typically, 
Um, and I know you spoke to a whole bunch of folks prior to um, prior to the event, uh, including our own Howard Richmond for a story we ran in December GCM. But um, typically, we do a lot of previews of the major events and talk talk to the host superintendents about what's going into that. And um, as we were approaching your event here, and obviously we'll get into a lot of the uh, unique parts of, of what you guys went through. Um, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to, to do something after the event because there'll be so much pre-event coverage and just kind of sit down with you when, when all the dust has settled, although there probably wasn't much dust down there with all the rain you guys got. But um, uh, just to have an opportunity to kind of talk to you about, you know, maybe lessons learned, things that, you know, went the way you planned them to go, things that didn't go the way you planned them to, and kind of talk about, you know, what goes into after a big event comes comes to town for for superintendents and turf grass managers. So um, it'll be a unique opportunity. I hope I hope uh, you know folks will learn a little bit because they hear plenty about what goes into getting ready for one. But when the circus leaves town, um, that may not be be so um, so uh, regular. But hey, I'll start off with this. And I was I was doing some research re- rereading Howard's story. And I don't know if you cursed yourself or what, but your, your quote that was in the first part of the GCM story was, the biggest thing for us is the variability in weather we can uh, have here. And that sure uh, sure played uh, played a role. You lost one day to rain. You had another day where I know you moved uh, uh, start times up. Um, so it, it was a wet track down there. You, you ended up going into a Monday. How big of an impact it did mother nature have uh on what you guys went through uh down there yeah it, it was definitely an impact um which it's again it's interesting you plan this for hindsight because in the middle of it it was just kind of you play the hand that's dealt the best you can and then you just keep doing everything you can to, to prepare the best golf course possible but yeah in, in hindsight yeah i mean the the rain we got Again, the days all ran together. So, is it Friday? I can't even remember now. Uh, you know, it, it definitely hydrated everything. And then the little, the little bit that we ended up getting there on Sunday, uh, just saturated. I mean, you know, the, thankfully whatever we got, I think Friday evening fell at like four p.m. and then we had twelve hours for that to all kind of work um so we could still be playable the next morning but that that rain we got sunday we were we were pushing out there with squeegees for like two or three hours and it just you'd finish a whole kind of basin surround area he'd turn around and it'd be like all right let's start back over again (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i mean again it it was an impact i'll still say though it could have been way worse i mean just just 30 miles away from us where we got three tenths of an inch they got two inches uh, and again, you know, no frost delays, no, nothing, the major kind of issues that mother nature could have provided. Thankfully we were able to get around those. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that, that's part of the deal when you, uh, when you have an event in December in really any part of the country, obviously you guys were uniquely suited to probably be able to pull it off. Um, you, you mentioned to Howard and he included that in the story, just the, the wide variety of weather that you guys can see, uh, at that time of year from, from obviously the rain, uh, warm weather, cold weather, you probably got it all. Cause I think, uh, 
I saw some photos from earlier in the week where the the players and caddies uh, maybe practice rounds were in shorts, and then I think on Monday the final round there you saw some folks that looked like they were getting ready to summit Everest from uh, from the, from the weather. So you you, you kind of nailed it in your in your prediction. You saw it all, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, again, I think the wind blew from all four directions uh, on the during the five days of competition. Um, for the most part, it, it was pretty cold. It got a little bit milder there kind of Thursday and Friday, but but basically all of tournament week uh, was pretty cool. And, um, you know, thankfully, most of the, the turf, as y'all could see on TV, was pretty shut down. So, right. um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely long-term preparations, like making sure we had enough people there and, and equipment. Those were all the things where we had to do so much more in terms of preparation just because we had to be ready for anything. And, um, thankfully kind of, we did get told their advance week and it kind of shut everything down and, and, um, you know, turn the, turn the rough totally dormant or at least tiger striped as you kind of see. And so, um, you know, that, that, that made it a much easier in terms of just the, the volume of maintenance we were having to do, um, from a mulling standpoint, but, but almost with that frost during advance week and that hard freeze, the, the amount of leaves that were dumping down tournament week was just <laughs> unprecedented. Uh, and so there was so much debris and then just kind of just chafe and, and, and little things that typically you're not having to mess with, uh, with a tournament like that, that we were constantly, I mean, we had two people per side every morning, just on little detail stuff going behind the setup team, because every time somebody walked on the green, they were tracking a whole bunch of just kind of chafe and debris with them. So yeah. uh, had you, pl had you planned, had you planned for that or anticipated that could be an issue or is that something that just sort of, you had to pivot on, on, you know, week of to, to accommodate that, you know, most everything we tried to have, the bodies that we knew we might need and the equipment for anything that mother nature could throw at us. Um, and thankfully we were able to, to, to kind of, uh, meet all those needs. Uh, but, but no, the little bit of debris type stuff, the, even, you know, Darren Bavar with USGA and I both said, we just never would have thought we'd have to spend that much time and energy on those types of little things. Yeah. You know, I've had, a I was, when they, when you were saying that, I was thinking of the players' championship and how it how it had moved times of of the year, and so they had to kind of really re rethink certain things. And that that was one of the things in obviously a different part of the country and in in Florida. But they were thinking about how what sort of debris from from trees might come um, from an early an earlier date. The advantage they had was they knew years in advance, so they could get to tournament week one year in advance and say, all right, let's walk through this. Let's see what we might need to do. You guys never had that opportunity. As of the 1st of March, you were full speed ahead towards a June uh, event. And then clearly ever, everything pivoted from there. So um, I said, we're going to talk all about the post. Let's talk a little, little bit about the pre. How far, You guys were obviously very far along in your planning come March um, uh, for, for a June event, correct? Oh yeah, no, we had already implemented significant kind of agronomic programs and, and all the things geared towards a June date. And it wasn't until the end of March that that 
carpet kind of got pulled out from underneath us. Um, so yeah, th- thankfully again, the, the biggest question early on was if we were even going to have it and, right. you know, felt very fortunate that the USGA, um, takes this tournament very seriously. And it was very important to them that we try to find a way to make it happen. And so, yeah, when, when December dates first got discussed, I can't say I was very fond of them (laughs) (laughs) again, look, looking back, trying to think about, you know, operations and what to expect. I'm going through my phone and looking at pictures of the second week of December. And I'm like, we've got dormant rough. We had snow in 2017. I'm going, Oh, geez, this is a nightmare. Um, but, but thankfully it all kind of came together pretty nicely. And and probably, I mean, other than the rain, uh, Friday and Sunday, the, the weather leading up to it probably couldn't have gotten any better. Well, that's, that's, uh, uh, with all the stressors that were going on with that and all the changes had to be made. I mean, any bit, any bit, I'm sure that you and your crew could get a little breather and go, Oh, well, thankfully we, we got a little bit of a break was, was probably welcome. So I, I imagine most listeners are aware of what, what occurred is that the event was originally scheduled in June. It was, was obviously postponed because of, uh, the pandemic and you picked up uh, these dates in December, but not only that, obviously you went, you were a 36 hole facility down there and you went from having one course to having now prepared two courses, um, which outside of us amateurs and, and certain events like that, I'm, there's not too many events where one team is going to have to pre- prepare 36 holes for championship golf. So as you sat down and started to consider what all that would mean, what, what sorts of things did you take into consideration um, or changes maybe to your original plans that you had to make to accommodate those now having to basically do everything twice? Yeah. So, so that was the biggest deal. You know, we, we moved to December because of reduced daylight in order to accommodate a full field. Uh, we had to bring both golf courses into play at least for Thursday and Friday. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was double everything. It's double the equipment, double the volunteers. Um, you, you know, essentially it just, it doubled the workload. Um, now again, thankfully December, we're not growing near as much as we are in June. So, so frequency of mowing and things like that wasn't, wasn't nearly as much, but yeah, the, the, twice the greens, twice the bunkers, twice everything, uh, that needed to be prepared, not only for the week of the tournament, but the months leading up to the championship. So what time were the first tee times, uh, on Thursday and Friday? Were, were you doing the bulk of that work in the dark? No. So that was the other odd thing. Um, they did double T starts, um, all the way through. And so because of the broadcast schedule and trying to get as much coverage in prime time as possible, they were trying to push it as late as they could. And so, no, I mean, our start times weren't awful other than when we did the early start. I think tee times were like, geez, we get them all mixed up because of practice rounds, but I want to say right. nine o'clock, nine fifteen, or something like that off one. And wow. Two. So, you know, we were able to, I think we had, you know, out the door after the meeting, five thirty was kind of our schedule for for tournament week, which 
compared to what we did at Colonial and other tournaments. Yeah. It really wasn't that bad as far as start time goes. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to have basically everyone, all morning preparations and other than set up everybody off the golf course before the first ball, um, you know, was, was in the air on one at 10. Yeah. You're going to have some jealous colleagues out there who've I, I've seen, I've seen 4am more times than I can remember at a, at, at some of the majors and you're out there and, and a lot of that work is done under with headlamps and, and uh, you know, carts and, and things like that. So yeah, a small, small favors uh, on, on stuff like that as, as you were. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, we, we definitely made up for it Monday morning with that. I think it, that's the first time I've ever, set my alarm before 3 a.m. Uh, we had to have the, the entire golf course uh, ready by, I think it was an eight o'clock start. Uh, um, so that, that was definitely uh, an early one, early one for sure. Hey, did you have, uh, how many volunteers did you have? Did that become more challenging, less challenging because of the, of the change? That, yeah, I would say if there's one thing in hindsight, that I was not anticipating was the amount of work associated with, with the number of volunteers we brought in. Um, we ended up, I think with 38 volunteers. Um, most of those, you know, I would say of that, I think 30 of them were, were there pretty much every day. And then we had a few kind of staggered here and there, but yeah. And so thankful for the support of those people, but the logistics and planning, training and management and all that of 38 people was just way more than we anticipated. Um, I think it ended up taking us like over three hours, you know, Sunday, Sunday night before tournament week to try to build the schedule, right. and get everything staged and prepared. You know, we did an orientation meeting with all the volunteers that Sunday afternoon, but it's just, Basically, we had we had 35 new employees that started Monday morning that yeah. didn't know where to go, what to do, how to do it or anything. And we had to we had to, you know, execute it with tournament perfection uh, in the dark Monday morning. So um, was that about the same number that you were uh, looking at for a June event or did that did it change? Again, our, our goals were probably the same. But the reality of recruiting volunteers in the first week of June, uh, it was just nearly impossible. I mean, everybody's so busy and, yeah. and, and tied up that even, you know, locally, I'm sure I could have rounded up, you know, a, a good number of people. But the amount of out-of-town signups um, was, was just not nearly what I was hoping for. So. Right. Again, another unintended benefit of the date change was it freed up a lot of other people to be able to to come and help out. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, really helpful. Yeah, volunteering has become such a at, at big tournaments. It's become such a you know popular thing within the industry, and and you know I I think there's folks that want to help their their colleagues, their friends uh, uh, out. There are people, you know, young folks in the industry who are just getting started who want that experience uh, of work, of working a major. But, um, if, if I've learned anything, simply observing these big events is just the amount of late of work that goes into it for the hosts in, in making sure, especially if you're, you're bringing people in from across the country. I mean, you got to worry about lodging and travel and, and transportation to get people to and from the course, all that kind of, 
kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it becomes it becomes a little cottage industry. But you had a, a little even a, more of a twist on that than than most than most guys see. Yeah, it was tricky, you know, because we had to we had to bring everybody in a, a day earlier. So if you wanted to work Monday morning, you had to travel on Saturday, take a test, wait 24 hours for your negative results before you could come on property. So um, it took it took a bunch of coordination. Thankfully, my, my wife, Jenna, actually was the volunteer coordinator and was able to take a huge load off our plate in terms of just um you know, reaching out to the, once they've signed up, getting, getting all their information, arranging, you know, all their travel plans, making sure that everyone's accounted for and accommodations. And, and, and something that was big to us was making it a, a really, you know, good volunteer experience. And so providing a uh, great uniform package as well as, you know, meals and, and all that stuff is something that I believe is important that if these people are going to take a week out of their busy schedules to come down and help out, that we want to provide a really good opportunity for them, um, take good care of them and, and then, you know, create some networking opportunities as well. So yeah. I feel I'm, I'm really happy with, with how that all went. We had a great group of volunteers. Can't say enough good things about them. And it was kind of the, the, the broken record throughout the week was how much we just couldn't have done it without them. Each and every individual, we literally could not have done it without them. So Yeah, for, for a variety of reasons, I, that, it's going to be memorable for them for not only just the experience of preparing a golf course for a major championship, but all the, all the other things that were swirling around uh, of the event. I imagine they'll, things those guys will uh, never forget. So I, I'm curious in the, in, the planning, in the planning process prior to the event, how much thought did you put into what would go on after the event? Um, in terms of cleanup, in terms of, you know, what you would need to do to get the golf course back um, to where uh, you wanted it to be for your members there uh, at Champions. Was that a, was that a big part of, of what you did in advance or, or yeah. uh, not? Not a ton. I mean, we had some, you know, we did split pre-emerge applications. So we knew as soon as the tournament was over, we had to get our second, uh, application out, weather permitting. Um, fortunately it didn't, it didn't allow us to get it. Out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there was a little bit of agronomic planning there as far as, I mean, the nice thing about having it that time of year is, you, you know, it, it's pretty much still in, in kind of tournament condition right now. Uh, you know, a little bit of the, the pigments and paints have worn off, but, um, thankfully the members, you know, are pretty much getting to play the exact same golf course still. Um, so, you know, the focus for us with so much going on was just, let's, let's get through this week and, and being a, a somewhat slower time of year, we had to, we had to be strategic on what we tried to accomplish week after the tournament because of the holidays coming um, you know, and trying to make sure people get their time off and things like that. So, so we did a little bit, but no, not, not really a ton. Well, and you probably lucked out to, to some extent. I know that it, uh, most big events, one of the biggest things they are, that they're thinking about post event is repairing 
turf damage. And usually in out-of-play areas because of spectators and all of the infrastructure that goes around servicing spectators and VIPs and all of that stuff. And simply because of the rules and regulations, you you didn't have quite as, as much of that uh, to deal with. I'm sure there was still quite a bit of cart traffic and stuff from the media and TV and all that uh, fun stuff. But um, did you have you found much you got much sodding in your future or are you yeah, there's definitely going to be some i mean there was a, a decent build out up around the clubhouse as far as you know uh media centers and, and volunteer tents and all that kind of stuff so with the rain when we got it in this time of year having structures on top of dormant grass who knows honestly right uh, it's gonna end up coming back or what's not um but no i mean thankfully without pedestrian crosswalks or uh you know the corporate hospitality and all those kinds of things that typically are associated with these types of events the 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 tournament footprint as far as damage goes is pretty minor well and that's uh yeah that's fortunate because you know you think of some i'm thinking to some of the uh U.S. Opens at Beth Page, where they got all the rain, plus they had, you know, 45,000, 50,000 spectators Trump. I've never seen so much pine straw and, and you know, dropped around to kind of just absorb areas so they didn't become t- total total swamps. So sodding is probably a, a cottage industry after a, uh, after events like that. So you, you dodged that bullet. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, you guys, you did, a, you did some big projects in the run-up to the event. Um uh, on both courses, um, I- including a bunker project that uh, w- was that initiated after the change um, was announced. Um, so yeah, w- again, immediately one of the first things that came to mind when I started talking about December and two golf courses was playability with all the different uh, you know weather scenarios Mother Nature could provide, and so. Um, you know, it was important to the USGA, it was important to the Burks that both golf courses um, be championship ready no matter what. And right. so um, all of the bunkers and greens were redone on Cypress in 2018. And so um, it was pretty quickly identified that the bunkers on Jackrabbit would, would need to be redone and, and kind of thankfully put our heads together in a short period of time was able to, to get the project going and, and uh, really pleased with how consistently the bunkers played on both golf courses, having the same sand, the same liner, um, slightly different in terms of maturity, but still very new, relatively um, newer bunkers that played and performed very well. Yeah. And especially with the rain, I mean, that's great to, great to see. I imagine that was something you were curiously heading into that week and had to be a pleasant, a pleasant surprise that you got the performance you, you hoped for, uh, in, you know, had a f- few spells of conditions that you, you might not have, might not have wanted. So, yeah, no, can't, can't say enough good things about the Burks and the membership and their willingness to sacrifice, you know, a little bit of closure and some downtime for construction in order to ensure that we had great, great playing conditions for the tournament. We'll get back to this episode in just a minute, but did want to take a moment to share a word from Bear Environmental Science, who proudly partners with GCSAA in the production of the GCSAA podcast. 
Bayer is a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. And that's a great way to describe Bayer's indemnified nematicide, which controls nematodes while helping to maximize root health and promote better quality turf and playing conditions all at once. Indemnify features a soil-penetrating formulation that delivers broad-spectrum nematode control with a simple application that is safe on all turf types. For more information, go to environmentalscience.bear.us slash indemnify. Once again, our thanks to Bear for their support of this podcast. And now, let's get back to our chat with Chris Ortmeyer. Are, are there other things now? I mean, you know, we... Uh, as I said earlier, as we record this, we're we're just inside of two weeks um, after the uh, the final putt dropped. Um, have you had a chance to look back and and kind of reflect and identify things that are oh you know this went better than I expected or boy this was a this was a train wreck that I had no idea was coming or or, or anything like that or are you still just busy kind of getting yourself back onto a normal day to day? Uh, sort of. Oh, I said we've got like 60 hours of coverage recorded at the house that I haven't even, I, I literally haven't watched a minute of it yet. Um, no, I mean, you know, I've got three little ones at the house and this time of year, uh, you know, being as busy as I was for the first half of December, it's important to catch up with them and take advantage of the holiday season and do all our traditions. And so, uh, no, I haven't had a chance to go back. I definitely want to. I keep hearing everyone I talk to talks about certain things that they saw or, you know, cool moments or stories or interviews or whatever it is. And it's like, man, I really want to try to catch up on all that at some point. But no, I haven't. Um, so we, we definitely have done, you know, some reflecting internally on some things that we could have would have liked to have done better, you know, so, some some things that maybe for the next go around we might tweak and be prepared for. but. I'm looking forward to hopefully sitting down and watching some coverage and, and at least yeah seeing all the- yeah well it's, it's always fun and i and i know that's that always is hard because it it just you transition from one from one big thing to another and whether it's cleanup or and you know i i guess from a calendar standpoint you get a little bit of a break it's if there's if there is a time of year when you can take a little bit of a breath and uh, um this this is probably it and need to for those little ones at home you got left i know you got left um a little shorthanded you had one of your one of your top lieutenants uh uh bolt out of there for for uh for some family reasons and a new opportunity in in pittsburgh uh did did, did, uh uh, brady get out uh okay brody he he got out okay yeah i I was i told him we were going to do everything we could to keep him as long as possible (laughs) he was able to stick around one more day um, and then he ended up staying for the trophy presentation as well, but yeah, he was all packed and they hit the road as soon as the trophy presentation was over and, uh, was welcomed by eight inches of snow up there in, in Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I just talked to him. He's all moved in and, uh, getting to take a little break. He's back visiting family in Ohio and uh, looking forward to, to starting the next chapter up there at, at his, uh, St. Clair and, uh, and I think he starts on the fourth. So definitely, you know, m- gonna be missed for sure. But, you know, he, he was originally supposed to, you know, be gone a few months ago. And so uh thankfully the the head super up there was willing to uh allow him to stay on board and, and finish out the tournament when it got re um well, that's uh, that's great. 
Yeah, I got it. It's uh, good to have an understanding uh, new boss and uh, understanding boss at home as well. I know uh, Brady's wife was, she's going to uh, dental school. Is that right? Yeah, she just graduated dental school. Um, and, and so she's uh, just got a job up there. And, and um, yeah, they're both, I think, you know, they've been doing the distance thing now for, geez, a couple of years. Uh, they, wow. they met down here and then she went to school up there. So, you know, they're excited to be together and, and um, I'm excited for them. Well, good. Well, I, I, uh, you know, the uh, Mr. Burke, uh, the history of your of that facility is one, and obviously it's in your name, Champions. Uh, I, I'm wondering about what comes next. Has there been any? Uh, it, it, I'm sure there's. I don't know if there's anything on the books or not, but um, was the? Do you get the sense the experience was a good enough one for the club that they're like, hey, we want to we want to keep being a spot where these kind of big events can be contested. Outstanding. No, no. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. M- Mr. Burke, uh, champions and major tournaments are, you know, it's kind of in our DNA. So, um, they've definitely talked a lot about what's next. Ms. Burke keeps saying, what do you want? What do you, you know, what do you want to get? And, and it's the same thing for me coming from colonial, you know, hosting, you know, events and tournaments is something that I just, I love and I look forward to it. Uh, so nothing on the books right now, but uh, I'm sure there's probably something uh, coming here in the near future. Well, that'll be, that'll be exciting. Hopefully it'll be more normal times. You'll get a more <laughs> little chance to enjoy it when you, when you think you're going to enjoy it, you don't have to tack on a, uh, six eight months of of work and effort to 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 make it happen. So I know you have a I know you have a background in college. Uh, played some college baseball. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of leave you with this um, and let you. I know you haven't had a chance to watch the coverage, but if you as you reflect back, is there is there one thing that you said was a home run? This is going to be such a cheesy analogy, and people, I I, I I I hate myself for even asking it. What was your home run, and what was your swing and miss um, that that you might do differently? You know, I guess swing and miss would have been more planning on the front end in terms of getting volunteers acclimated and situated and, and giving them good maps of where to go so that they didn't have to be, you know, hold their hands or them waiting on us. And it just yeah. created a lot more there. You know, home run to me is... um Really, really cool to see what a lot of people can do when they're working together and they all put their head down and, and just kind of regardless of whatever is thrown at them, um, dig deep and do whatever it takes to get the job done. And from from our department, the, the volunteers, the supporters of the volunteer program uh, to, to the, the membership, the USGA staff, again, such a massive undertaking that it's been really neat to kind of ride the wave on the back end here. Um, definitely one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever been a part of and something that I'll never forget for the rest of my career. Well, see, that answer was way too good for what, a, for the cheesy question that I, that I asked you to, to bring in. So, but well, listen, uh, Chris, listen, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to kind of look back and, and, and talk about the event. It was fun to watch. Um, I know a lot of folks it really enjoyed having an opportunity to kind of during the work week. And I mean, I'm working from home a lot of days so I could have the 
TV on in the background with some major championship golf. See what y'all are doing down there. And uh, uh, but I appreciate you taking some time to chat here. Uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Go spend some time with those kids. Um, make sure they're having a, a good a good holiday. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Will do. Sounds good, Scott. Really enjoyed it. Thanks a bunch. All righty. Well, that puts a wrap on another episode of the GCSAA podcast. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chris Ortmeyer from Champions Golf Club in Houston. Really appreciate him taking the time to join us and share some of his experiences hosting the 75th plane of the U.S. Women's Open. Remember, we would love it if you would please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can also check out previous episodes you might have missed on all those same services, including the last one, episode 26 on Women in Turf, that can net you GCSAA education points just for listening. You can contact Diana Kern in the Association's Education Department at dkern at gcsaa.org. That's D-K-E-R-N at gcsaa.org for more information. And with that, we are out. Thanks again to Chris Ortmeyer, to the master of the mixer, our producer engineer, Evan Bissell, to everyone at Bear for their continued support of the podcast as our presenting partner, to the nine members of the GCSAA Board of Directors, to all my colleagues and coworkers at GCSAA headquarters, and of course, my thanks to you for listening. We will be back soon with another episode for you to enjoy. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up again soon on another episode of the GCSAA Podcast.